The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. What role does your ego play in your life? In episode 11, join us in the arena as we talk all about the ego. Hey listeners, welcome to In the Arena. I'm Jackie Goldberg. And I'm Leah Smart. And today we are going to be talking about our egos, which is a space that Jackie and I have really been fascinated by and want to continue to learn about. So we're hopefully going to share some things with you today that you can take away and implement. So when we think about the ego, we think about a number of different things. And, you know, we I, I like to think of this as how do I wrangle my ego? How do I manage my ego? And what we're going to do in just a few moments here is define what ego means because there are plenty of different ways to think about it. Uh, but what I'd like to offer to you is this really great question quote that's always stuck with me, and it's, don't believe everything you think. So we're going to dive into all the things we think and what the deal is with our ego uh, and define it for you and move from there. It's so funny, Leah, because when you Google or use a different search engine, uh, the word ego so much comes up. And for me personally, when I think about the ego, I always think about my high school days, AP psychology, and then going into college. I, I was a, I have a bachelor's in psychology, and I always think of Freud because growing up, I think that is what we think of when we think of ego because that's the scientific person that is behind it. Uh, but so much information comes up when you look at what ego says on the internet. Um, We looked at a bunch of different articles, things from Scientific American, Psychology Today, even the Chopra Center. And we made our own definition, uh, really based on the compilation of what's out there, because there is so much out there. And so I'd love if we could share this with our listeners today and really use this as a basis how we go through the conversation. Yeah. So understanding you might have other definitions. We totally get that. But just come on this journey with us for the next 20 minutes. So the definition that we we thought of is that the ego is the voice inside of your head that you probably know as yourself. So whatever your name is, the way you refer to yourself or me uh, or you or I. And that's the voice that's narrating what you see and experience in the world. One way I heard it defined on another podcast that I loved was the inner roommate. So it's that inner roommate with that voice, different narratives that it's sharing with you and that we then instinctively react to, right? So the voice tells us something, we react to what it says. And that's why I love this quote of don't believe everything you think. How do we think about really separating ourselves from that voice? So I'm going to stop with the definitions and we're going to get into more of the experience because oftentimes it's better to experience this than for us to tell you. So we'll go there and add. Jackie will take it away. Yeah. You know, one of the biggest things that we talk about on this podcast is self-awareness, mindfulness, being aware of what's going on. And this hands down is critical when we think about our ego. And really the question is, how do you know when it's your ego talking and when it's your ego behaving versus your your core, your being, right? I kind of look at it as uh, your ego is coming from fear and your your being, your essence, which I know we spoke about on a previous episode, is really who you are at your at your center. So how do you know when your ego is talking and, and behaving? When we, you know, think about going through our daily lives, there are so many moments where your ego is is playing a role. And what I want to do today is really have both of us share a story about when we were able to identify our ego running the show, 
or what we were able to identify when our ego was talking and and really uh, running us. And uh, what I want to do is we'll each tell a story, but then we're going to pause before we actually get to the resolution. Because part of this is uh, the awareness piece, but then the latter part is really working off that identification and moving forward to allow yourself to keep that ego in check, which we'll really talk about later on in the episode. So I'm going to start with my, my story. So to all of our listeners, uh, my father passed away in January of this year, in 2019, and a few weeks ago was Father's Day, and it was my first Father's Day without him. You know, during the process of my father passing away, I had more support than I am can even explain and share with you or from friends and family, and there's so much gratitude that goes along with that. And when Father's Day came around, I made the assumption uh, that my friends would reach out. And throughout the day, I would look at my phone and see if any texts came in. And I just remember thinking, you know, my ego was telling me, how could people not reach out? How are my friends not thinking of me when the day went on and I weren't wasn't getting any texts or phone calls? And and so I, in that moment, you know, was feeling unloved unworthy. And it it hurt. You know, what's coming up for me as I say this is shame, because even admitting this on, on this podcast to one of my good friends, Leah, is that I was feeling a certain way about what others should do for me or expecting something from other people. And when I kind of looked into this a little bit more, I realized that our egos are loudest when we are in security or in shame or when our values are not in alignment. And so I'm feeling this right now, even just just expressing this story. But I'm going to pause there because, you know, I don't want to take you to the next piece. I want to have Leah kind of share her story about the how the ego played the role in whatever experience she's about to share. And then we're kind of going to get through to, well, what did we do with that and how did we move forward? Great. And first, I want to acknowledge you for sharing something that is bringing up an experience of shame because that's one of the hardest things to do. That's what vulnerability is. So we're good friends, but still acknowledge you for that. So my story is uh, around work. So I was uh, having a conversation with someone over the phone. And as soon as I got on the call, this person um, with this call that I was supposed to be leading immediately cut me off. And they were literally cutting me off every time I'd try to start speaking so that they could run the conversation and own it. And immediately for me, what came up was a feeling of disrespect. And I call it the feeling of disrespect because, as Jackie just said, one of the reasons our egos start talking is around values that are not being met by other people in relationship. So respect is a serious value of mine. And when I hit disrespect or hit up against it, all of a sudden my ego starts talking. So similar to what Jackie said, you know, all of a sudden my ego was saying, you're not worth respecting or she has more important things to say than you have. And not only is this around a value, as you can hear, it's also around an insecurity right? So insecurity plays a huge role in our egos and how often they speak up and when they do. And so for me, what happened at that point was just a wall went right up. I was no longer vulnerable. I was no longer open. I shut down. And I ran the rest of that conversation like a robot. So I'm going to stop there. And now we're going to spend a little bit of time just unpacking more of what happened for us in part one of our stories. So, you know, Jackie, I know you've already mentioned a couple of things that happened for you. One thing you mentioned that we didn't touch on yet was expectations and would love for you to share a little more about what was happening, but even, you know, spending a little more time with the expectations piece. 
Yeah, well, as the day went on, I something started to change within me. I had a moment of clarity. You know, I, I did start to realize that just because my friends didn't reach out, it doesn't mean that they don't love me. And my ego, I found, was trying to protect me. And so you mentioned insecurity and I mentioned shame and you mentioned, you know, values, your value of respect. And I recognize that what my ego was trying to do was put a shield up and protect me from feeling a certain way. And actually, when this happens, it's doing the opposite. Because if I could just let that go, I would feel entirely lighter, calmer, more present, happier. And so for me, you know, recognizing I had expectations of others, all of a sudden realized, well, what's my expectation for myself? And the finding that the ego was getting in the way of that. So once I recognized that my ego was just trying to protect me rather than letting me be free, once I let those judgments go and I stopped operating out of fear, I felt so much more clear, so much more free and lighter and happier and calmer, as I mentioned. And I realized that this has absolutely nothing to do with other people and everything to do with that voice inside my head. Mm, that's great. Yeah. Everything to do with the voice inside your head. And it's interesting how often the voice inside our head wants to blame other people or, or um, Brene Brown says that blame is the discharging of discomfort onto others because we're uncomfortable and we're going, it's your fault I'm uncomfortable. If I tell, if mm -hmm. I say it's your fault, I'm going to feel better about myself. But really, so much of this comes back to us. Yeah. And rather than blaming, I was able to look at it in a different way and then take it back into myself. And we talked about the self-awareness and the identification of when the ego is playing a big role. And then it's also like identifying well, what will you do moving forward? How are you going to change that? How are you not going to let the ego take over? Yeah, yeah. And I'll, uh, I'll finish my story and then we'll talk a little bit more about how we keep that, that ego in check. And one thing that I think is important to call out is the ego is often telling us a narrative or a story. And the goal of this is to understand that awareness of the narrative. But it's really actually just understand the truth. Like, what is the truth here? So we're going to unpack that because I think that's that's really important and super valuable. So the end of my story isn't as like nice and pretty as Jackie's, unfortunately. I actually ended up totally spiraling. I was towards the end of my work day. Uh, I had to send an email out before I left to go to my acupuncture appointment, which I was then late to because I had had this experience and really gotten myself kind of trolled into it. When, when I got to acupuncture, I was totally wound up after being on the train and running from the train to the appointment, getting to the appointment, and then having to tell my acupuncturist, I also have to leave early because I had another appointment. So what I remember from that time was just this feeling of, of really just just tunnel vision. I mean, I knew at that point that I would not be good at making decisions, which is a few things that come up when you are in shame. These are some of the feelings of being in shame is, you know, feeling that tunnel vision and also knowing that your best self or your authentic self that you mentioned before is not the one operating or running the ship. And then I, my story ends with running out to my swimming lesson, getting there on time. And I didn't feel a sense of calm until I got into the water. It wasn't until really after I left the lesson that I said, wow, OK, things have come back to center. So it's just interesting to reflect on, you know, what happens when you're just not really paying attention to getting it back in check. Yeah. And what you're really exhibiting here is how impactful your ego really is. Like this was hours for you after the actual incident. That's for right. me, it was really all day that I was, you know, not constantly, but every so often I would think about, 
someone hadn't reached out, someone hadn't reached out. And it really wasn't towards the latter end of the day that I was able to kind of shift that and, and, and resolve it. But um, looking at how much impact this ego has on us and it and it sits with us and, and then the outcome of that. Right. Well, and who was the person I was being because I was in this triggered state of emotion, right? How was I being with everybody around me? If someone sent me a text, I was annoyed already. So I'm looking at the text going, oh, I'm annoyed. I'm not annoyed with that person. I was triggered by something that I haven't been able to let go of. And now I'm going to react in a way to everyone I interact with from this place. And this is not where I want to be reacting from. Exactly. Because it is coming from that fear-based place versus that lovable, compassionate place. That's right. Great. So hopefully you all are taking some things away. And I can imagine if you've listened to both stories, there are pieces of both of our stories that sit with you and that you can immediately, you know, think about experiences in your life where this has happened. What's most important after you recognize that this is happening for you is also just then how do you work with it so that you can get to a place where you're back to sort of your authentic self, back to your core or back to your essence, as Jackie said. And so what we're going to do is introduce two practices that we both really love that have resonated with us. And hopefully of those two practices, again, you pull more away that you can apply today or apply, you know, whenever something like this comes up. So the practice that I'm going to introduce is the Rising Strong practice for those of you who aren't familiar with Brene Brown, you can probably tell at this point that we're big fans. Brene Brown's book, Rising Strong, was all about kind of this recognition of the ego and how do we practice moving through this process of really getting ourselves back again to our authentic selves. And there are three parts to this process. So you probably heard when we were talking, there was a trigger for both of us. Jackie's trigger was around the fact that, you know, it was Father's Day. She was probably already triggered by that. And then she started associating some of her uncomfortable situations to that trigger, right? My trigger was around feeling disrespected. It was immediate. I started associating everything based on that feeling of, of trigger or that triggered point. So it's recognizing the trigger. And this, this part of the Rising Strong process is called the reckoning. And the reckoning is really us understanding what are the stories that we are making up. So walking into our story, understanding it. And one of the amazing things Brene Brown talks about is that our brains are literally wired for story. So we want to recognize patterns and we want to create endings, right? So for me, my pattern or my ending was I got disrespected and my ego saying, okay, well, you're not worth respecting then. And that closes out the story. And we actually get a dopamine hit every time we are able to recognize that pattern and complete that story. If you want to learn more, this is fascinating stuff. Listen to her book or buy it. But really, this is the point where you're becoming aware. And what you want to do in the reckoning is then get curious. Recognize that you've gotten to this place. Get curious about what that means. The next step of the process is called the rumble. And the rumble is really where we start to own our story and then continue to get curious so we can start to then rewrite a new story in the next step. So owning our story, the thing I love about this, and I do this all the time, when I'm in a story that I'm making up, uh, which is how Brene Brown talks about it, is the story that you're making up, I will go write down that whole story that I've made up in my journal. And I will write until I'm finished writing. You can write anything you want. I mean, it's your journal. It's my private space. So no one's ever going to read it. And what Brene Brown calls this is the shitty first draft, which is something that Anne Lamott coined. She's a novelist, also incredible, and has led to a lot of the research that's been done. So once you do that draft, you can then look back and say, wow, here's what I'm experiencing. And then after that point, you can start to think about where are the holes in my story? Where do I have to get more curious? Where could I go to, you know, 
the person I was on the phone with or where could Jackie go to this person, these people that she believes should be texting her and say, the story I've made up is that you didn't text me because you didn't care, right? And that is vulnerable beyond belief, but it allows us to start filling in the real holes. Maybe a friend said, you know, I've had a really rough day today and I just wasn't even thinking about it. I'm so sorry, right? So that's where the rumble is. And then finally, after we get really curious about this and start to fill in some of these holes, we run to the revolution. And the revolution is really thinking about our story and how we write a new ending to that story and also who we become and how we engage with the rest of the world because of that new story. So this is a really beautiful process that's been incredibly powerful for me and life-changing. And I'm hoping that all of you are feeling something in this that could take away and and help you, too. Thank you so much for sharing that, Leah, and for breaking it down into such a digestible form. I believe that for people who haven't even read the book or if they don't plan on reading it, they can walk away with this three-part way of really being curious about where your ego is coming into play, being curious about that shame, and then moving forward to write a new story for themselves. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we're changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. So come figure it out with me on the Hello Monday podcast. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or NYU professor Scott Galloway on choosing a career. I think the worst advice you can give a kid is follow your passion. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday with me, Jesse Hempel, on the LinkedIn Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts. This happens all the time. And I'm even thinking about, you know, I'm so glad you you chimed in with, for me, what I was thinking about with my friends, like they don't care. They don't love me. They're not thinking about me until I realized it has nothing to do with them. Mm. That is just not true. I, that is, I cannot put the blame on other people. That has nothing to do with it. And you know what also... As I was sharing my story about my father's passing and how I felt on Father's Day and how shame came up for me, I realized that just speaking about it and working through this in this conversation right now, I feel better about just experiencing that shame a few minutes ago and letting it release and talking through it and having compassion for myself that it's okay that I felt this way. Mm -hmm. So it just shows how important it is also to release what you're feeling, to be vulnerable about in this moment, I'm feeling shame talking about my friends not texting me when I believe they should have and the story I was making up and how that affected me and then how I move forward. I feel better being able to just say this out loud in a vulnerable space 
it works. Yeah. One of the things Brene Brown talks about is shame gremlins. So she calls them shame gremlins. And the idea is the gremlins in that movie from the 1980s, if you haven't seen it, it was a classic. Or was it the early 90s? I can't remember. But the the gremlins in the movie, if they were hit, hit with light or water, they would essentially die. And she relates shame to that. So when shame is lives in the dark, which is typically where it lives, because we don't want to share it, because mm-hmm. we're afraid we won't be loved if we don't share it or someone won't accept us. That's really where it grows. It grows and grows and grows in the dark. And so when we bring it out to light, this literally just happened in this conversation. When you bring it to light, that's when it dies and you realize, I don't have to be ashamed of this. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Thank you for that analogy. And Brene Brown is just the best. best. (laughs) So I want to share something that has really impacted my life. It's called The Four Agreements. For those of you who haven't heard about The Four Agreements, it's actually a book written by Don Miguel Ruiz. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. He has a few books, but The Four Agreements is really a code of conduct. Um, I'm actually going to read a quote from Amazon. So if you go onto Amazon, you can get a little tidbit of what it is. And what it says is that Don Miguel Ruiz in this book reveals the source of self-limiting beliefs that rob us of joy and and that create needless suffering. So it's based on ancient Toltec wisdom. The Four Agreements offer a powerful code of conduct that can wrap transform our lives to a new experience of freedom, true happiness, and love. So these four agreements, I have them posted on my wall in my apartment. And I will say anytime my ego comes into play or I'm feeling shame or I'm feeling like I want to blame someone or if I'm just feeling not in a great space about a particular scenario, and as we know, particular scenarios that happen in life are pretty much all relationship-based. Everything in this world is around relationships because you're in constant communication with others. I think about these four agreements and there's always, always at least one that applies. And so I'm going to read the four agreements and then I want to share how I used this to really move forward in my example before. So the four agreements are the first one, be impeccable with your word which I love. And we had a whole episode around keeping your word as as one of the main themes. And I always think about the four agreements there. The second one is don't take anything personally. The third one is make no assumptions. And the fourth is always do your best. If you can take those four agreements with you and keep them in your back pocket when something happens, when you're feeling a little crappy, when you're feeling sad or angry, think about the situations and see where those apply. So for this particular scenario on Father's Day, the two that really stood out to me was not to take anything personally, recognizing that the way I was expecting my friends to behave, I have no idea what's going on in their lives that day. There is no doubt in my mind that if they thought to text me, they would have. If they thought to call, they would have. I have no idea what's going on with them. It is not about me in terms of why they didn't reach out. I should not be taking that personally. The other thing is make no assumptions. So I realize I'm like, I cannot make any assumptions about what's going on in their lives. And so not only I'm not going to take it personally, I'm not even going to start with making those assumptions about them. And then even moving forward to always doing my best. My best is when I'm operating out of compassion and love and gratitude and generosity, not fear. So when I can let my keep my ego at that door and just let myself be free, I am just a much happier person. So I'm going to pause there because 
I think it's a lot. The four agreements can be something that can drastically change your life. If you go on and read recommendations about people or reviews of the book, you'll see that it's it's drastically transformed lives. So I highly recommend it as a way to keep your ego in check. Yeah, that's incredible. And I've been more active in it since you know you told me about it and I'd heard about it before, but it had never really dived in. Even the assumptions part that you mentioned, making no assumptions, it's not just what's going on in their lives. It's that just because they didn't text you or reach out doesn't mean they weren't thinking of you, right? Yes. And there's so many assumptions that we make that are we our brain's so quick. And so we hear those things and we believe what we think really quickly. We don't even realize we've decided to believe it until all of a sudden it becomes our truth. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because the next day at work, someone came up to me and said, I thought about you yesterday and I thought about texting, but I didn't because I just, I didn't know. And I was like, not that I needed validation at that point at all. I didn't. But to hear that it was validation of like, yeah, I can't make any assumptions about what's going on with someone else. All I can do is choose to be the way that I want to be about this. And I was able to feel that towards the latter part of the day. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, after this conversation, you feel more self-aware of your ego or at least how to identify when it's playing a role in your life. We're connected to where it shows up, when it shows up, and then taking away some different tactics, tactics to help keep it in check. So as always, we love to wrap up our sessions with a question. And our question for you today is find one moment today where your ego is running the show. Great. And we are so happy, again, to have you along on this journey with us uh, as we look at all these aspects of life. Uh, If you want to find more of our episodes, you can look us up on Spotify or iTunes under In the Arena LinkedIn. Please subscribe, rate, review, and finally share. Share with people that you know. We just passed over a 1,000 downloads, so really excited about that. Thank you for continuing to, to be with us here, and we will see you all next time. Have a great day, everyone. 